before we get to the legend of Anal Farmer 2, if we're going to talk about buying power, we've got to talk about the legend of Control the Narrative. So, to set the scene, you have a subreddit that is defined as basically being a refugee, an offshoot of 4chan and one of the 4chan uh, like boards. So on January 9th, not even January 19th, on January 31st of 2012, r slash Wall Street Bets was created. And to give you an idea of their parabolic, not even parabolic growth, because it never went down. To give you an idea of their exponential exponential stonks go up growth, in January of 2019, they had 471,000 subscribers. Today, their subscriber count has exceeded 2 million. So between 2019 and 2021, they had exponential growth. They, they shot to the moon. They got on their rockets, their diamond hands of, of subscribers. They, they went to the moon. So I think there's a, a lovely amount of memes and, and terminology, and, and we might get into some of that. But let's start with this guy, a legend. And arguably, he is the most recent legend aside from deep fucking value. We will get to him when we talk about GameStop. But there is a trading app called Robinhood. And Robinhood advertised that it had no commissions. So this one fucking legend, and by by legend I mean control the narrative, this guy figured out a way to generate infinite buying power. Do you know what that means? So he went to this platform and you could buy like a gold subscription or a gold something that would enable him to double his buying power. So he said, I have $2,000. They said, great, we'll give you a buying power of $4,000. This allows him to spend $4,000 on the stock market. So he goes and buys $4,000 of AMD stocks. He then goes and sells uh, buys an option uh, for those stocks and uh, sells that and generates $8,000. Robinhood's system was set up that it did not recognize that he had just effectively laundered money through their own system. So when he went back to the gold, it automatically said, well, you've got $8,000. We'll give you a six. $16,000 buying power. So then... Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. This mad lad did this and was posting his status updates and everything on, on, on the subreddit. He eventually went until he reached what he thought was the uh, adequate amount of risk, which was $50,000 of buying power. Perfectly normal. So, are you aware of what a put and a call is? Yes. Yeah. So, but for our listeners, why don't you explain? Okay. So, Ajax. yeah, um, we're not going to define every term in the stock market because there's there's just an insane amount. But a very basic level, you have puts, calls, and I'm going to say options. So, a put 
is betting against the stock market. It's betting that the price of the stock will go down. A call is betting that the price of the stock will go up. And so when you have a, a put or a call, it, it's this action. And then you also have options. Options are insurance. So let's say that you're feeling a bit bearish and you're not sure if the stock is going to go straight up. So you decide that you want some insurance to buy stocks or to be able to sell stocks at a certain price because you're not sure what the price is going to do. So you can buy a contract and all these contracts are sold at 100 shares and it gives you the right to buy or sell the stock at a certain price regardless of where the actual price is at. So options are very sketchy because you assume all the risk. Options are loaded with risk, but then you have the other side of the stock market, which is just buying and selling stocks, uh, you know, a, a, a call and, and a put. Right, Raj? Uh, incorrect. O options are call and puts. Stocks are just shares in the company. So there's, you know, I bought X amount of Apple shares, and if they go up by 12%, get 12% on that. Or calls and puts have a much higher risk yeah. reward value, but you can get multiples of ten, or you can lose ten times the amount of money. So it's it's a lot riskier. So I I'm so new to this that I'm not even using calls and puts in completely the right context because this is all very confusing. And I and I know them as calls and shorts. That's that's a different way. Yes, puts and shorts are there. Oh, okay. Are, 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 it's synonyms. So anyway, essentially. Now that we have a little bit of a base understanding, this guy on Reddit, control the narrative, he took this hundred, he took this hundred thousand dollars of buying power, right? Because he had he had fifty thousand dollars that he had, you know, swindled the company through, which turned into a hundred thousand dollars of buying power. He put a put, so he bought an option, a put betting against Apple. He bet the price of Apple stocks would go down. He YOLO'd it. So you only live once. He, he bet all the money on one option saying that Apple was going to go down. This guy had such a tragic tale because he even live streamed the moment when he was in his app watching the prices and he was the birth of a meme. A meme of guh. G-U-H, guh, because that was the only reaction uttered from him after the shareholders meeting came out and Apple did well and the stocks went up instead of down and he lost all of that money. And, you know, shortly after that, this guy was just never heard from again. This uh, sort of tragic scale of exploitation and loss that is so grandiose that the only way you could describe it would be the term loss porn um when you understand more of the technical details the the tale becomes even juicier just to build on that story they had to change their terms and conditions where you go into the app and you have to agree to a new set of terms and conditions specifically because this guy took advantage of the one single loophole there's been other ones not to the same level of extent that this guy took uh, advantage of, but they had to change that for every single user that went in uh, to be able to 
ensure that this doesn't happen in the future. So it was quite the crazy story. Yeah, because normally you have to have that collateral. If you are going to put, you know, a $100,000 put against Apple stock, you have to have the money to back that up. But in this case, the guy magically turned $2,000 into 100000 And, you know, if he had gotten away with it, if he had succeeded, he would have made all that money. Robin Hood would have been none the wiser, and he would have been, you know, the modern day Robin Hood, I guess, for lack of a better word. He would have stolen from the rich. Um, but this subreddit has a, a rich history because not only has it exponentially grown, but it's been the birthplace of so many beautiful memes and and great stories. So I thought I might uh, throw out some terms. And we'll see if uh, the party here can define them. And then after we do that, we'll talk about The Legend of Anal Farmer 2 as the lead-in to GameStop. We'll, we'll close out with GameStop. So, I hinted at this one already. What does it mean when I YOLO some stocks? Uh... You put on a significant amount of your uh, your income or your your current savings into a specific speculatory play, typically on the option side. So, namely uh, being a, a call or a short or a put to be able to you know multiply your your profit. That's like the opposite of a diversified portfolio, right? Yes, high risk, high reward just for the joke, just to have fun with it, um, literally just to cripple your life if things go wrong, but on that one to a hundred chance, you're going to hit the jackpot. It is just extreme gambling, but because of the internet, it's now mainstream. <laughs> and it's celebrated. People on this subreddit are treated like heroes. They're giving upvotes. They're giving fake internet points. You know, I've been seeing the craziest titles. You know, some guy... Uh, he posted today, he was like, I put all of my father's retirement savings into GameStop. You know, he's either going to be living on yachts or collecting food stamps, something like that. You know, there's this glorification of how hard you can YOLO. So I, I just want to step in. I'm going to divert the conversation just a little bit because I have to touch it on a point that, that Ed had brought up earlier. Stocks nowadays is it's it's exactly how Ed mentioned it earlier. It's glorified gambling. Uh, he 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 brought up a great analogy earlier where you know if you go to a casino and you see your friend playing slots and you see how much they win or lose and if they're winning and that's publicized and and, and you can you you know review it in, in, in how much your friend won you're gonna want to do that too. That's not the old school Wall Street, right? The old school Wall Street. Yes, there's always been options. There's always been calls, puts, all of that good stuff, but it's always been on the fundamentals. Over the last few years, it's it's been more focused on hype, speculation, and it has truly turned into to, to glorified gambling. Uh, it's, it's, it's extreme in its form. It's made people millions, it's lost people millions, but it's, it's definitely changed from you know, the mom and pop shop that it used to be. Yeah, it's gone from being Wolf of Wall Street and making these insane calls because you're part of a select few to really normalizing 
this winner take all and glorifying every aspect of it because also you're going to hear about the crazy amazing stories because everybody's voting on the crazy amazing story and someone going i'm desolate now and i have no money maybe it'll get a little bit maybe there'll be some lost porn and people will will upvote that and say let's let's have a laugh at this guy but often if someone goes i lost 50 percent," everyone's gonna oh, i don't give a shit like who cares and if someone's like i made five million dollars better put it all back in and then everyone's gonna go yeah this guy that's the type of uh culture that we want to encourage uh just to bring up a, a small story from from the past it builds on on on, on, on the fomo aspect the fear of missing out uh one bubble that i was part of was was the green rush uh as we alluded to earlier in the in the conversation, uh, I was a big proponent of, of marijuana in the early days, prior to its legality. And once it started breaching its legality, uh, there was a lot of companies that popped up in in Canada. A ton. Uh, there was you know Aurora. There's Afria. There's one that even has the the stock ticker weed. And I got it in the early days, which was fantastic. I think it was 2016 when these started first popping up. As things wrapped up to legalization, the returns were insane. They got to the 100%, 200%. All of mine at one point were 300%, and that's when everyone started talking about it. It's, it's similar to this whole GameStop thing going on. Nobody had talked about it before. Suddenly, coworkers, boomers, everybody, marijuana, weed stocks, weed stocks, weed stocks. Legalization happened, and everyone was waiting for it to go up. What happened? Uh, at least in my experience, the biggest crash I've seen in my entire entire time of investing into stocks, those 300% turned to below 100%, which is still a fantastic return. But imagine everybody who had been investing at a later time, right? It's all the hype that gets built into it. And in my term of in, time of investing, that's truly when I started to see hype and, and a lot of the speculation come into play was with weed stocks. And that's just that's just being taken to another level now with the accessibility that Robinhood and Wealthsimple, the commission free trading has given everybody. So it's, it's crazy to see there's still the safe and bets and investments you can make with ETFs and, and diversifying and whatnot. But a lot of the people don't talk about the losses. Like, like Ed mentioned, it's all about the successes and, and, and everyone trying to build on that and try and get a piece of that, that pie. So it's, it's interesting to see how things will continue and with the, with the level of accessibility that's out there. Our next term is DD. Fuck. DD? Like the two letters? Yeah. I know exactly what this is, but I'm blanking out right now for some reason. Might be all the whiskey. It's due diligence. Due diligence. There we go. Just at the right time. Uh, <laughs> and this refers to doing research, coming to your own conclusions. But of course, if you visit somewhere like Wall Street Bets, you'll find people who will do your due diligence for you. Um, it has been problematic to the point where there are uh, ritual um, grifters who will post due diligence reports trying to convince people that a stock is a good play, and they are pumping and dumping. They're convincing people to go into this stock when it's not a good idea, and then they are making off like a bandit because they've got an advantageous position that they can benefit from if they can get more people into it. So like GameStop, not GameStop. No, GameStop's gotten too big. It's too big beyond the grifters. 
There are, it's too big to fail, eh? It's not too big to fail, but it's just it's it's bigger than the grifters. It's bigger. Um, paper hands. That means when it, it's the opposite of diamond hands. Diamond hands means if things like today, when a, sh- a stock fluctuates from a hundred percent gains to ten percent, where you don't sell it, you hold on to it. That's diamond hands, paper hands. As soon as you see some fluctuation, you you balk at the first side of things. Yeah. Uh, just a quick aside from from what Ed had kind of mentioned in terms of uh, GameStop. That's more of a short squeeze, but a pump and dump is is very popular on some of the other subreddits. There's r slash Canadian investor, which is a good Canadian one. R slash Bay Street bets, which Bay Street is the Toronto equivalent of Wall Street. I will admit I have been a part of pump and dumps. There's you know, Reddit has been a big main source of, of my investing. I've made some really, really good plays. There's also been some plays where uh, Ajax had kind of mentioned, you know, instead of me doing my own due diligence, someone posts about it. You're like, wow, this looks amazing, right? This, everything looks golden and flowers and you invest in it and the stock spikes for a day and then the next day everyone dumps off and you're, you know, if you're a part of the diamond hands and you say, hey, you know what, I believe in this. And then you're left there with minus 50%, a little bit of a YOLO, but it, it happens more frequently than, than expected. It goes back to the, the gambling aspect of things. Yeah, it's the self-perpetuating uh, shit, which is, well, those people are pussies because they're soft like paper, but we're men. We're hard as rocks. We're hard as the hardest rock. We're as hard as diamonds. Um, also, the idea that your hands can form diamonds that that everything you touch turns to diamonds um oh wow yeah yeah um instead of the midas touch you have the diamond touch um gay bear do you know what a gay bear is often often Um, symbolized by emojis not actually frequently typed out as gay bear but uh rainbow pride flag or or rainbow and then bear emoji i don't know that someone's being they think that the market's about to hit bearish and go down, so they're... What does bearish mean? Probably going to... Bearish means that the stock market is slashing and going downwards. So there's an overall downward trend with a lot of spikes, and it looks like claw marks of a bear. Whereas bullish looks like the horns of a bear uh, of a bull charging and moving upwards. So I think they have a lot of things against bearish people, because those are the people that put on uh, puts and shorts. Uh... I just got to say, T-I-L, I did not even know the, the difference between bear. I knew bear and bull, but I did not know it was because of the claw marks and the horn. So that is a uh, first time learning for me. You've so that's done your a, research. A cool fact. Well, that. I had a very interesting, I, I knew someone back in, uh, in high school. Who was a gay bear? And they were very, very good at golf. And they got, uh, they got a degree in university. They played a lot of golf throughout university. I think they had some form of scholarship, but they... Uh, very genuinely nice person. I'm nothing against this person. They got picked up by a finance advisement firm and they don't know, they knew nothing about finances, like period, like had never touched stocks in their life. And they got this amazing, this decent job and they show up and I'm meeting them at a Christmas party after not seeing them in a year. And they're like, I have no idea what the fuck any of this stuff is. They were like, I don't even (laughs) know what like a bear market or a bull market is. And I was like, dude, dude it's this and they're like shit and then i'm like okay what about this and i'm like starting to because i was a part of um uh, an investor club in 
junior high. I had some idea of some things. Uh, but I remember just being like, do you want to call me like when you don't know this shit? Because you can't ask any of your coworkers. They're going to fucking find you out. And they're like, yeah, yeah, maybe. And they'd like send me messages on Snapchat every once in a while. I'd be like, I'm pretty sure it's this, but you could also look online. She's like, oh, like they'll know if I'm looking on uh, Investopedia. Like they'll they'll watch me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh. Is she still there? Yeah, I think so. I think she's doing okay now. Okay, I, think, I think she survived. Good on her. Uh, and yeah, yeah, ama- amazing person. Um, but she was like, yeah, these people are fucking insane. They know all this stuff and they party so much and they play a lot of golf. I think the only reason they want me around is because I'm very good at golf and I kick their asses all the time. <laughs> so our next term is tendies. And I'll use this contextually for you. Um, we do it all for the tendies. They buy everything. They buy chicken tenders with all the money that they make. Raj? I think that's a good guess. Uh, I, I deferred it to, to Ed because I, I go on Wall Street I'll, Bet, but I'll, tendies uh, is I'll take this one because I go back to the 4chan OG days. Um, you shouldn't be proud of that. No, probably not. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> there, there used to be a green text, uh, a copy-paste selection of text that people would reuse again and again. And then... And then people took the spirit of it and they built upon it. But the, the concept was that being, uh, you know, uh, an autistic incel uh, robot 9000, being a, a neck beard, uh, somebody in the basement, that you don't like to eat diverse foods and you live in your mother's basement and you're a man child. So your mother has a hard time convincing you to do anything. So she gives you good boy points. She gives you a GBP and there's a reward system that if you get enough GBP, your uh, mommy will give you tendies and uh, you'll re if you don't get your tendies. And because (laughs) uh, our Wall Street bets is formed as an offshoot from 4chan, they brought that luggage with them. They brought the tendies. So your realized gains from the stocks are all for the tendies. So you'll see a lot of people in the comments talking about, you know, I'm going to buy so many tendies after this. You know, we do it for the tendies or, you know, at any time they're talking about chicken tendies, which that is a meme that's close to my heart because for much of my life, I have been stigmatized and put down, bullied, considered less than for the fact that every time I went to a bar, I ordered chicken tenders and fries, but... Yeah, that's going back to an ongoing joke that Ajax literally doesn't like any type of condiment. Uh, but that's that's very interesting that um, I'm looking at Wall Street bets with a bit different of a viewpoint, knowing that they're an offshoot of 4chan. Reading through their comment sections does make me a bit uncomfortable. Not going to lie. Uh, and looking at it further, uh, I don't use the term toxic masculinity a bunch. But it is just ripe in well, all of their forms. Let me counter that because then the next term indicates a level of beta and subservience that is kind of the opposite of masculinity. And that would be my wife's boyfriend or my girlfriend's boyfriend. So sometimes when people are talking about their returns and how much money they make, they'll make a comment like, I have made enough points on this that I can buy tendies for my wife's boyfriend. 
so that's the part of the double-edged sword that is being uh, a toxic male is assuming that there's some like direct way that a guy has to be and if you're not you need to be punished and you're a piece of shit so they're making fun of themselves and creating this sarcastic tone that they're not the epitome of what a man is so they have to be having their wife or their boyfriend sleeping with another man because they're an infer- inferior man and yeah yeah what, what just say you go Raj? On, Raj. this is a very interesting discussion i've learned a lot more and i've dived into wall street bets more than I ever thought I could have. It's I've been there for a couple of years with all the memes and 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 whatnot, but getting into the terms, there's we have there's there's a couple other one ones last term before we get into the story of Anal Farmer Two, and this one shows up as just the initials FD. Anyone know what FD means? No. Think of like uh, a term so bad that when Eminem said it in a song, he apologized for it after the fact. Ooh, it's a slur that I'm not comfortable saying on my podcast. And then another something. So what's the second word? Uh, so the term, and it's not, it's not, I'm not continuing the hate. I'm just saying what the term is. It's, it's faggot's delight is what FD stands for. So, uh, Raj, have you heard of Faggot's Delight? Do you know what it refers to on the stock market? I will be completely honest. I have never seen that in my entire time here on Wall Street Bets. I had two other terms that, of course, I do not condone, but I, I, I will bring it out just for the transparency of the subreddit. It is, they, they tend to call each other the group term and the endearing term for somebody else on Wall Street Bets is an autist, right? You're an autistic enough to make this move or you are a retard. That's the two terms I've seen. I have not seen the FD one, but they have definitely their own terminology that, that, that has very strong roots to 4chan, I, mu- I must say. It's this bullshit thing that all ties together that if you're a part of the super elite, you don't have proper social skills because all of your brain power and your thoughts and your abilities go straight towards making calculated decisions. So you're better than that guy down the street that goes to the gym and cleans regularly or has other interests that aren't making jokes online with your friends. It's a very dangerous subculture that we've created through the uh, the advent of the internet. And I'm Getting more uncomfortable with this community. Let's so, go into the tale. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. We have the... to define. I've learned so we much. To, we have to define talk. faggots delight. Um, <laughs> ah, sure. If you <laughs> research and learn about options, you'll know that there is an extrinsic value, and then there's, I believe, a time value, a TV. Yes, Raj, Raj, Raj. I defer that. I do not. Okay. Know there's do, there's do two different value so. systems. So essentially, um, when you buy options. You can buy them in uh, time periods because it's a contract. Uh, it lasts for a certain amount of time. So you can buy contracts for three weeks, three months, uh, various different time periods. A week, two weeks. Um, and these contracts, once you buy them, they tick down towards that date. So what a faggot's delight is, is the ultimate expression of a, a YOLO. It is the highest risk play that you can kind of make. So this is essentially the equivalent of buying an out-of-the-money option that is expiring in less than a week. 
Look at Raj's face, okay? None of you at home can see Raj's face, but he just face palms. Just shame. He's, he's terrified. He's like, that is the worst play you could ever make. Unless you're extremely confident in what is going to happen in the case of our upcoming story, as well as another other meme stock that's less meme but BlackBerry, which has been deeply rooted in the Canadian history for the last little bit. If you can predict that within less than a week, you might be able to. And, and just to go into see how risky that is, going back to the initial story of that Robin Hood better that that had kept on taking out what was called the margin calls, right? You go into your margin account, you're doubling up the value. You found the loophole on, on Apple earnings. Apple's earnings are on Wednesday, so two days from now. If you could predict the market, you could do it. You know, you could do one of those calls for Friday, and and make attendees. But nobody knows. Nobody knows. You're gonna expect Apple to print money, right? You expect these big companies to print money, but it happens sometimes. It doesn't happen other times. The times it happens, you know, you you hear the success stories. The times it doesn't, people are losing millions of dollars, right? So it's it, it's a very risky. So call. to generalize options. You have options that are in the money and options that are out of the money. And in the money, I believe, essentially refers to as going positive as, as you know, this option will generate more money than, than what it costs. And that value is determined by the time left till the contract expires and then obviously the current price of the stock. So when you buy this contract, when you buy this option, there's a strike price. So the price that the stock will buy or sell at is decided independently of the current active price of the stock market. So this could allow you to buy stocks at a cheaper price than what the current price is, or it could allow you to sell stocks at a higher price than what the current price is at. So this is a great way for people to mitigate losses. And the way the system works is that the, the more you deviate from the actual stock price, uh, the less likely that it, event is to occur. So because it's less likely, there's potentially more returns. Uh, it's also cheaper, I believe. So like if you buy a contract that's in the money, that's you know only a little bit of difference from the actual stock price, depending on things also like volatility, uh, that could be much more expensive. But you know for YOLOing 2K, into an out of the money option, you could potentially have, you know, crazy percentages of return. So that is going to be the basis of the story of anal farmer too. So let's, let us begin, you know, pull your loved ones close, throw another log on the fire, you know, kick your dog, uh, send your children to bed and, and snuggle in tight as we learn all about anal farmer too. So like all good investors, Anal Farmer 2 was a devout user of Wall Street bets. You know, he first showed up in 2019, uh, you know, with posts like, I just YOLO'd my 5K of rent money into this option. And, you know, he had a couple sporadic posts, but after one year of being a day trader and meme connoisseur on Wall Street bets, he had made about $5,500 in capital gains or realized gains. And I should mention that this gentleman was only about 19 years old. So then 
uh, you know, he went on a bit of hiatus, but he was still trading. He wasn't posting as much. But when he kind of resurfaced, at that point, he had accumulated capital out of around 110K. So now he's got a lot more money to play with. So he makes a post. He YOLOs 110K into calls for a line. And he bought a contract that was expiring in two days. So it was a, an OTM contract expiring two days, a total FD move. And everyone was like, this guy's an idiot. But then there was, you know, a news story that broke. A line had uh, better performance, better sales than was expected. And the fucking stock price went up. So this guy ended up making off like a bandit. He turned 110K in a complete YOLO in an undiversified, you know, uh, portfolio. Just everything riding on that one option. He ended up turning that 110K into about $343,000. So great. Good time to stop. Yeah. Yeah. You think that, right? But no. Great time to stop. It's, this would not be the legend of Anal Farmer 2 if it just ended there. Are you using the, the correct Reddit name or is this a different story? It's going to a different story. No, uh, his username is Anal Farmer 2. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, so then this gentleman uh, in the next 48 hours making some other just ludicrous calls went to over $600,000 within 48 hours. So then... He YOLO'd 600K into calls for a ticker called SPY that were expiring in 24 hours. Just to give the, the listeners a heads up, the, the ticker SPY is it encapsulates the entire S&P 500, which is the largest U.S. stock exchange. So S&P 500 is largest U.S. stock exchange and then if you want to invest in all the companies, it's like a mini ETF of all the companies on the S&P 500. It is SPY. So that $2 out of money call went poorly for him. The markets went down. Uh, so the story goes that this guy posting on Reddit all the while had been as high as 750K net worth. And he fucked up on his SPY call and went down to about $40,000, US dollars. And then he decided to buy another option against a green stock, against Canopy. And tell me, Raj, do you have any idea where this is going? I do not, with this particular story. I don't, don't Canopy, have the time frame. Canopy is, is trades on the ticker weed. And it's had some fluctuations because it is with one of the marijuana stocks. So it's had some very, very big highs and some very, very big lows. It's trading at a medium time right now, but I, I can't tell you where the story is going. Well, uh, it's all bad. He lost his last 40K. So after this guy had been active on this subreddit for a couple of years and had been documenting all of his YOLOs, you know, making comments like, I'm going to let it ride. Like, at least all of being a legend, at least this would have been a story. Uh, he, he stopped posting and he, he disappeared off the subreddit. So n nobody's heard from him since. But uh, he's been remembered. He's been put into the uh, Wall Street Bets Hall of Fame 
for a man who flew so high but fell so far. As we uh, chat about the uh, the whole GameStop phenomenon, there's another account, Deep Fuck Value, where an account was posting about GameStop. And if you look at the facts, it is a complete luck out of the ass. Like nobody in the world could have predicted this what the events had happened. He had put in options that expire on April of 2021, which is three months from now, back in 2019. So he didn't do anything crazy risky, but he put in some big money into options that were expiring two years from now in a company called GameStop. At one point, people on the subreddit were, were providing what they would usually call as their compliments. Hey, this guy is a fucking retard. You are an autist and we appreciate the amount of money you've put in. He was down 60,000 at one point. He is now, and I'll save you the, the long story, he's up 8 million with everything that's I, I thought it was 11 but million today. Could be 11 million. It's, it's fluctuating so much. But the big thing Jeez. is... It's it, it goes back to what, what Ed says. It's 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 glorified gambling at, at the point that, that we're getting at now. It's people posting their success stories, the people who are losing are losing out big, but don't post, right? It, it, you're more inclined to post something about what happens if you're successful than when you are unsuccessful. So a majority of Wall Street bets is gonna be people posting about they are successful, people who are losing out may do it if they get karma, if they lose a shit ton, but a majority of people don't because they're unsuccessful. Yeah, the problem that we face with this digital medium is we've created friend groups and special interest groups for everybody. If you want to listen to a random fucking podcast the two guys in Alberta put on, you can do that. You can you can learn who we are. You can trust us. You can care about us. You can maybe kill some old people for us. You, like, create this sense of familial relations with all these people. So if you have two million people that are making jokes and they have in-jokes and they have... They have different words for things. They have double speak, and you get it, and your friends don't, or your lack of friends don't. You create the sense of community, and it works in a really positive, wholesome uh, way on, so wholesome. On, on the inside. And it really does help you. It does make you feel good. But at the same time, cults do that too. They make you think that you're a part of a special group, and that you're unique, and you have different words for things that nobody else does. But then you realize that the cult leader has taken all your fucking money and has been screwing your wife and your house is on fire and the ATF's outside. Uh, you know, you can make uh, some parallels to that. I don't think it's quite on the money for being a cult because cults have a central point of authority. They have somebody with more power than other people. Usually there's some sort of tribute system or some sort of advantage they get over other people. You know, Wall Street bets is centralized, but it's not like you have to pay a tribute. It's not like one person's calling all the shots. It is a, a decentralized grouping of autistic retards who are YOLOing their money into the stock market. It is a, a beautiful sight to behold. I would make the argument that QAnon, which has no significant figure, that has no prime person, regardless of whether or not they think that Q exists, is a decentralized cult. We've created the possibility 
that we can have a decentralized cultish, at cultish atmosphere. Same thing with 4chan and the B-board. Same thing with all these different forums. You've created this ever-feeding monster that will create its own doublespeak and create its own ideas and magical thinking and move forward. And I think it can do good for some people. People that want to fucking dress up as Renaissance people have more friends than ever nowadays. Uh, people that are into into LARPing or are glass blowing. Holy shit, you can spend hours on glass blowing on TikTok. And you can that can be your whole world if you want to, but it can also be your whole world if you're obsessed with QAnon or if you're obsessed with Wall Street bets. It can be ever enveloping. Something to to build on that is there was a major piece of drama that involved Wall Street bets over the last five, six days. One of the moderators took it upon themselves to open up a Twitter account. And it was WSB Mod. And the whole mantra of Wall Street Bets is it's a group. Their terminology is it is a group of artists that have come together and, 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 and put out their opinions. So if there was ever a central voice, it would be here is a top post. It's like a bot that runs the Twitter account. Here's a top post today because the group votes on the top post. What ended up happening is this moderator said, fuck that. We are going to be the central voice. And it caused a shit ton of discourse. And you can look through the subreddit over the last week. It caused a shit ton of discourse. People said, we are not one central voice. We are a bunch of people making decisions. We are not led. We don't have a leader. We don't have one consistent voice. We have groups that have diversified opinions here and there and as soon as the twitter account came out where one person took a consistent voice there was so much backlash on the community where people were afraid that the sec would be coming for wall street bets because it was a unified voice that is in the sense of there have been people in, in stock history have have been able to shift markets when you have such a big user base a large group of people such a big it, it, like if tomorrow Warren Buffett comes out and says Apple is shit I am not going to vote I, I think Apple has a downward trajectory or a Tesla Warren Buffett is going to move the market the SEC will come after Warren Buffett it's the same way that the SEC came after Elon Musk when when he said he's going to take the company private at 420 Right when you have these big figures that can move the market, just like the Wall Street bets community tried to do, with that one moderator, it can move the market. It cause huge consequences. But at the end of the day, they ended up closing the account because of the pressure. But there are, there is some sort of group slash cult association that is building up on upon there. There's a big pushback, but there are pieces there. So what I wanted to look at was. What I think is probably fair to say, maybe it's a little bit early, but this is sort of like a once in a decade happening. We're witnessing history. This is uh, things that have never happened to this degree in the stock market before. What is happening with GameStop, to put it simply, to not go into excessive detail, uh, GameStop is a, is a video game brick and mortar uh, company that takes used games and sells new games and sells used games for markup and sells new consoles. They're entirely reliant upon the hardware 
that other manufacturers create that they can centralize in their stores and sell to people. You know, it was a staple of every new Halo release that you would be lined up outside of a GameStop in the US or an EB Games in Canada. This has changed because of digital sales, because of Microsoft's big push into the digital realm. And we've seen GameStops transform into stores that we barely recognize. They're filled with the amount of video game merch and different properties to the point that it feels like a fucking hot topic or uh, an H&M or, or HMV, right? That's the store that used to exist, HMV. Um, yep, that went under because it's not a good business model. Yeah, and then... GameStop even went into buying and selling other used electronics like cell phones and other shit like that. Basically, any shit that you didn't want anymore that was an electronic, you could find a way to sell at a GameStop. And so GameStop was considered this dinosaur of the industry. We all thought it was dying. And, you know, there's, there's still debate about that because when Xbox came out and said, we've got a new console. Fuck your physical disc games. You do not own games. Games are a uh, subscription as a service. You know, they're SaaS models. You're going to buy a game digitally. You don't own it. You can't walk away with it. You can't play it offline. When Microsoft did that, there was huge backlash and people said, no, 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 no. So Microsoft readjusted and said, okay, we'll have the best of both worlds. And over the last however many years, they've been shifting back towards that baseline. Don't even mistake for a second. We're going back towards always online. We're going back towards no digital games. We're going back to you don't ever own the game that you buy. You're paying a price to play it for a certain period of time. We're already seeing that in terms of, by the way, just a side note, we're already seeing that in terms of games where when the servers that support that game go offline, you're losing a portion of that game once those servers go offline. So games are starting to have a shelf life. It's not like you can just pick up some of these games and get the full experience uh, on year seven that you got on year one. So GameStop has been this industry, this business that was, was just seen to die. And because it was going to die, and it seemed to be this slow, monolithic, you know, glacially slow process, and it was a process that had even been happening for years, a lot of stock market traders took advantage of this and they did something called short selling, which is where you basically let somebody sell stocks that they don't own. So you could go to like one of these hedge funds and you could say, hey, I want to short 100 stocks of GameStop. And so how it works is those 100 stocks get sold at the current market price. You get that money, but you have an obligation to buy back those stocks at some point and give them back to that hedge fund. And so the idea would be that because you think that the value is forever approaching zero, that you'll get whatever values left of GameStop, you'll use that capital to do something. And then later when the price is even lower, you'll buy back those stocks, give them to the company and say, here, here you go. So this resulted in GameStop being shorted to what people predict is 130%. Yeah, and outside looking in, I don't have much of a stake or a claim in GameStop, but just as a consumer, and I think a lot of people uh, in the finance industry look at what's happening to it, and they go, oh yeah, that's an easy fucking gimme, they're dying, they had a bunch of PR where they were insuring and they were skirting around uh, lockdowns in the United States, 
they were putting their employees at risk and saying that they were an essential business. We were like, okay, this is a fucking dinosaur. They're going to die. So all these people that are arguable intelligence, but just have money, regardless, that's the one thing that envelops all of them. They go, okay, we're going to put, we're going to short the shit out of this stock. And everybody on Wall Street Bets thought that was the funniest shit ever. So then they went, we have 2 million people. Well, we can create a groundswell and, and we can fuck over Wall We can fuck over all these rich They didn't assholes. even just think it was funny. They said, this shouldn't be legal. This doesn't make sense. Why can you short 130% of a stock? Why can you sell more of a stock than what exists? And people recognize this, right? Like, Raj was talking about deep fucking value. This guy who YOLO'd all this money into, into GameStop. He was apparently one of these advocates that even back in August of 2020 was saying, hey, this market has been overshorted. And then a couple of these critical sort of catalysts were added to the equation. They brought on new board members. They brought on new executives who had great financial track records that had turned around industries. Uh, GameStop made some strategic decisions to close down a bunch of stores that weren't making as much money. Uh, they're looking to pivot and change the business. GameStop, who used to be this titan of industry, was a shallow imitation of what it used to be, but there was a lot of glimmers of hope that this company could still exist. See, Ajax says that they're being strategic. However, from my point of view, they're hemor hemorrhaging money, so they fire their leads of the board, and then they get new ones in, and then they cut all the fat, and they get rid of all the people that are losing the money. That's what happens when an industry or, or a business starts to die, especially a franchise. So the short squeeze that's happening right now is not because you think anything is going to die or whatnot. It's because people are shorting the stock, right? Companies like Melvin or whatnot are, are saying, hey, this is going to continue to go down. We're going to make profit off them going down. Wall Street Bets came together to say, hey, this is not, like, they have to cover this position. So it happened with Volkswagen, and I can't tell you exactly when. There's some more research that goes into that. It, it, it follows the same exact cycle, right? There's going to be a big short. Everyone buys in. It's going to spike up a crazy amount. It went up 100% today. I, from penny stocks that happens, from stocks that are $10 that rarely ever happens, it will it will have a, a point where it falls straight back down to the center of the earth. And it's going to happen within probably a month just based off historical patterns, right? Melvin Corporation, they need to cover these shorts. They've, they've bought these 100 contracts, right? The shorts are the 100 contracts of the piece. They need to cover that. So as the price goes up, their risk is going up exponentially. As the stock price goes up, their risk is going up exponentially because they're betting on it going down. They're shorting it. They're saying it's going to go down, down, down. And was it, hey, no, this is going to go up. So as the price goes up, they said, okay, the risk is going up. We need to start buying it. We need to start selling. We need to start buying it again. So the price goes up. They need to cover their shorts as calls go up. At some point, there's going to be a break-even. Ajax, I know you said earlier on that you believe this would be a long-term. I will tell you right now, based off the historical patterns, this is not going to be a long-term thing. GameStop may be successful in the future from the history and the patterns of what this trend is following. There is going to be a pinnacle at some point. 
maybe we hit that today when it went 100% up, when it hit $160. It, it opened at 70, it went to 90, it went to 160. Throughout the day, it went from $160 US back down to 70 and finished the day at 85. There is some movement. It will hit a pinnacle and then it will go rocket down. It depends on when you know when to exit for this specific type of you know, phenomena that's happening right now. Yeah, and it's these major corporations that have overshorted the stock combating against 2 million, and as you put it, don't use this word lightly, Autis. These people are trying to wage war against each other between a conglomerate or a multitude of different corporations that have a heavy investment into it and seeing how much they can break. So you are trying to ride this wave as an individual investor to the best of your advantage. I don't care if it's funny or if it's for the YOLO. As an individual, you need to assume that if you're going to invest in this, you are losing all the money that you're going to put into it, but you might make some money back. It is a hard risk gamble because you're literally betting, can the hive mind of 2 million people that are joking around beat these titans of industry? So... I mean, we're all using GameStop as our, our fuck doll. You know, GameStop is our blow-up fuck doll, and we're pumping a bunch of air into it, and we're all taking our turns, getting our jollies, and everyone's thinking that when we're all done, GameStop will be this deflated, discarded doll, you know, with, with a lot of human fluid left inside of it. And I just don't think that's the case. Possibly. Because... You're, we love a comeback story, and the there's one thing that I've learned in the last five years, and I've learned that there's no such thing as bad publicity, and I've learned that, you know, dank memes can melt steel beams, and that is to say that, you know, the power of memes can change political systems, it can change companies, and I think that GameStop, if they even have semi-capable leadership, is going to use this momentum to do something. And maybe it takes two years for the stock price to get back up to where it's going to spike during the short. But if you got in for cheap on GameStop, there's no guaranteed, you know, oh, this will go back to $20 stock. That is what the the investment firm Citron said. And now that guy has lost so much money on shorting stocks that he won't even comment on GameStop anymore. Yeah, it's become this... Uh, this really like laughable thing. I'm not saying that GameStop is going to be screwed at the end of this as a company. I don't think that the success of a company is directly correlated to how well their stock is doing. I know that that sounds counterintuitive, but when someone makes a joke in this day and age, their stock goes up. When Elon Musk tweets some bullshit, his stock goes up. Nothing happened to his company. But that's just the way that it exists. A bunch of money got funneled into America while hundreds of thousands of people were dying and out of work in all these major industries. Their stocks kept going up. It's not a direct correlation to success in the industry all the time. Often, on average, yes, things will go up. On average, 10% return. But I wouldn't say that you have a guaranteed 10% return on any year-over-year stock that you invest in as an individual. Correct. And it made a very, very good point. It It's hard to predict stocks. And I have very, very, very good experience with Citron because Citron also tried to short a stock that I was in 
earlier on. So there is a big web commerce, e-commerce marketplace called Shopify, Canadian based out of Toronto. At the time it was blowing up, it was about $200 Canadian per share. Citron came out and said, hey, you, you know, and, and to give some backstory, Citron has, has been a big short market, you know, bear type individual for a long time. And, and they've moved markets, right? The, the, the gentleman himself who runs Citron is a boomer, right? He's, he's had some great success over the past. It's, it's the whole change of how the market's moved with millennials coming in and whatnot. He tried to say Shopify is going to go down. At the time I invested, Shopify was at about $150. It had boomed up to $250. He said, hey, this is, this is unsustainable. The price earnings ratio is through the roof. This is not going to be sustainable. To give some, some of the listeners a backstory, a very reasonable price earnings ratio is about 13 Shopify at the time was about 100-something times price earnings ratio. As soon as he came out and said that, the, the, the stock went down 25% in one day. It went down to about, it was at 250, went back down to about, I think, close to 175. You know what's that today? 1,500 Canadian. So his, his track record, Citron, and, and, and all of that, and I think it's because of the millennials, it's because of the access that everybody's had. People who have $100, $200 can throw in and make a point can come in. So that, 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 that's my take on that. Real quick, it also doesn't help that members of the UCP are promoting Shopify at every chance that they can get. It comes down to that you can't play out of your depth. I read this advice probably on Wall Street Bets, but somebody said you should stick to stocks and investments that you know about. So a lot of us, if we do not just sit in our mother's basement eating tendies, we are participating in the economy. We work in an industry. We have on the ground uh, industry knowledge and experience. Like the fucking guy who's on Twitter for, for Citron, what the fuck does he know about any of this? He's a guy who just sits on the internet all day. His industry is, is being stockman. Like, why would he know about how great Shopify's system is, about how great their e-commerce is, about how it's, it's transforming e-commerce storefronts? Like, he can do all the research he wants, but a guy who works in the industry, a guy who sees his web design clients leading him for Shopify, a guy who's forced to work with Shopify integrations when a guy sees the Shopify customer support. Like I've had lots of run-ins with Shopify over the years and I'm, I'm not surprised. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense in some ways for anyone doing e-commerce to get into Shopify. You start with a WordPress site or an HTML. Maybe you just have a Shopify iframe plugged into your website. And then before you know it, you want more features and then you're forced into Shopify's, you know, uh, you, you know, stream of products and services. And before you know it, your storefront is just completely hosted with Shopify and you don't have your own independent website anymore. And that is a great example, I think, of you either understand the industry or you don't. So for me, I'm going to pick my stocks and my investment decisions based on things that I feel relatively confident and informed about. So I work in tech. I work in IT. I see the technologies, the, the software solutions that customers, that clients are interested in. I'm seeing 
one company and one product that works better than another. I'm seeing uh, and using the technology as it comes out. So, you know, if you want to talk about BlackBerry, right, you can talk about what they're doing with the Internet of Things. You can talk about their QNIX system, right? Uh, I've used Android Auto, which, you know, you could argue is a competitor to QNIX, but QNIX is more because it, it can do things with the actual internals and, and the efficiency of the engine and, and how it's running. But I can look at a program like Android Auto, which I've been using on and off for over five years and half the time it's a buggy piece of shit and doesn't work consistently. And I'd say, wow, is there another option out there? Is there another like infotainment car OS that does more that provides opportunities? And I can look at everything that would encompass the product that BlackBerry offers and say, hey, as somebody who works in this industry, who has experience with other products, I can look at that and say, this makes a lot of sense. I think this could be successful. And hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, I can make that decision with a decent degree of confidence and accuracy. But the key thing here is you just can't be a paper-handed gay bear. You gotta hold on to your stocks, right? I would say if we had closing advice from this podcast, it's don't fuck with options, okay? Options are high risk, high reward. You need to know what you're doing. Uh, there's ways to leverage options so that you minimize your risk. But ultimately, you need to be a semi-day trader. You need to have fucking disposable income that you don't give a fuck about. You're going to YOLO it. You're going to buy some options. But if all the savings you have in the world is this $500 you pumped into your TFSA, for the love of God, do not buy options. Buy some stocks you believe in. Hold on to them for six months, a year, two years, let that business that you believe in profit and prove that they deserved your investment. Eddie's uh, lasting advice, and the best advice that I can have is try to understand your monthly expenditures, try and understand how much money you burn through every month, uh, keep an analysis of how much money you're spending on high quality whiskey. Maybe if you want to keep that down, go ahead, but figure out what your monthly expenditure is and then after that, try to make sure that you have six months of savings stowed away in a mixture of checking and TFSAs. Uh, if you suddenly become unemployed tomorrow, you want to ensure that you're going to be okay and you're not going to be starving over the next few months. Uh, and then beyond that, if you want to do some long-term investments for your future, then that's a good idea. Once you've done that and you're debt-free then I would consider uh, investing in some form of stock options or cryptocurrency, being very willing to lose all the money that you're doing, investing in that. Uh, for further information and to talk to people about uh, what your current options are or what your situation is, a uh, subreddit that I really enjoy is Personal Finance Canada. Uh, I look at a lot of people and see what their interactions are and how they go about their process. They have a few quick steps uh, that I try to personally follow. Ed, I, I do have to count to you a little bit and come back at you because there's there's good debt and there's bad debt. I would not agree that you have to pay off all your debt and then you can make investments. Then you can do things because there are some relatively safe investments you can make that have higher return rates than the interest you pay on loans or your debt. So it all just depends on whether it's good bet or debt or bad debt. Sometimes it makes more sense to have debt than it is to pay it off. It's all about the, the accumulation of capital, about getting all them tendies, bro. I would argue that the only good debt 
is debt that is at or below prime interest rate and you should ensure that all high interest debt is paid off as quickly as possible. All your credit card debt should be paid off as quickly as possible. Uh, all your extreme uh, situations should be paid off as quickly as possible. I myself have some debt, however, it's very, very low interest rate. It is around uh, inflation, actually. Uh, the person that I'm lending from is not making much money off of me because designed it that way. So try and ensure that you pay off all high interest debt. Um, and if you're looking to invest in something, then do what makes you comfortable, but ensure that you have a parachute if things go terribly wrong, if your uh, one of your family members suddenly dies and you need to spend the next month taking off work and going through all their belongings. That's a thing that happens to literally everybody. Their parents die at some point. Uh, that is morbid, but uh, aside from that, I was going to say, Ed, guess how much my... Uh my uh car my car loan is in interest it's it's zero i have a car loan that is a long time period it's a seven year finance but it's zero percent interest so for me that's good debt i don't give a fuck because i can pay it off as fast as i want or as slow as i want it doesn't matter all that matters realistically is sort of my liquid capital do i benefit more from paying off my car maybe so i could sell it but would I benefit more from investing in stocks? Probably stocks. Yeah, so that's very important to understand is if you have 0% financing, that's key. But also keep in mind that if you were to do a loan and to pay off your car, you're going to be paying a significant amount more than the car's worth from the get-go because they're not actually going to sell it to you at the appropriate price because they're sneaking in uh, the interest fees. So they actually do make a significant amount of money off of you in the short term. And over the long term, they disguise the interest that they would charge you in the initial sticker price. Uh, So, Raj, since Ed and I both kind of sounded off with our uh, sort of closing thoughts on investments and strategies, do you have a a nice little monologue to see us out? I do. And uh, again, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. It was great, great conversation today. And uh, what I will say is, if you have disposable income, you can YOLO stocks. I again personally for myself, I have never done an option or a short. I've done purely stock trading. I know family members, you know, one of my my oldest brother, he is very safe. He does an ETF that gives solid returns uh every year. I, I've chosen to to take a little bit of a riskier approach to do individual stocks, but I agree with what Ed said. It's, if you have outstanding debts, the last thing you should be thinking of is investing stocks and options and any of that. Debts, especially if there's a high interest rate, even student loans, yes, they may be a very good interest rate. You're still paying interest. If if you know you're guaranteed to make more than that, which there's no guarantees in the world these days, especially with COVID, you see how the, the, the market tanks, right? We're all living in this high right now, right? Stocks are going up, stocks only go up, right? But there are times we've seen the bubble pop in our day and age. We haven't seen the big dot-com crash that happened in the early 2000s. That will happen in our lifetimes. Whatever happened in COVID, that, that dip in March, that will happen again. That'll happen multiple times during our time, our, our, our lifetime, right? You have to be careful. Make sure your debts are paid off. 
right? If there's one last piece of advice, I will say is make sure if you're debt free and you can invest, you have disposable income and you have uh, a little bit of a nest egg saved up, then for sure, invest in stocks, do some YOLO stuff. I still don't recommend options because there's a huge high risk, high reward on that. Get some safe, safe stuff, but pay off your debts. Make sure you're well, you're well set up for the future. Enjoy your life. Make some money. Retirement's not going to be easy for any of us, but have a good time. Have some fun. And, you know, gamble a little bit if you want to. If not, do some safe stuff. There's, there's everything out there for everybody and, and all the personalities out there. Well, thank you, Raj. That was super wholesome. Everyone, this has been the Domestic Yak Finance episode. Uh, it is the sole opinion and discretion of this podcast that uh, everything we say can and will should not be used in the stock market or, or ever. Uh, take this freely. Take this uh, personally. Take it however you want. Just don't send us emails, despite what Ed says. We don't want your emails. Domesticyakpod.gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Good night. <laughs>